I speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. One of my favorite Christmas movies to watch this time of year is the movie Elf. Recently, I had the opportunity to see a live theater production of Elf. And as I watched and listened to this story again, I was struck by the many ways this movie parallels some aspects of the Christian life. In particular, our living within the already not yet tension as we await the second coming of our Lord. But before we get to Elf, we must first turn our attention to the star of the fourth Sunday of Advent, Mary, Mother of God. Generally speaking, we tend to think of Mary as the epitome of docility and submissive girlhood. Our image of Mary is one of her sitting near the manger, watching her newborn son, pondering things quietly in her heart. We like this picture of Mary. We like it for the same reason we like the baby Jesus in the manger, rather than Jesus, the immolated lamb on the cross. However, Advent is not the time for hallmark sentimentalities. And in our passage this morning from Luke, we learn that Mary is anything but a sallow and timid teenager. Earlier we heard God announce through the angel Gabriel these words, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Upon receiving this word from God, Mary does not keep herself in hiding like Elizabeth did. Rather, she gets up, and with haste, she makes her way to the house of her cousin Elizabeth. In these early, turbulent months of pregnancy, she journeys 70 miles. That's, in Canadian speak, 112 kilometers or the distance from Brantford to Newmarket. She travels this 70 miles from Nazareth to the Judean hill country. And in the text, there is no sign of Joseph accompanying her, nor of any animal to help her along the way. Mary is a woman on a mission. When Mary arrives at the house of Zechariah, she greets Elizabeth, and hearing Mary's voice, the child leaps within Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth, also filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, exclaims with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth cannot contain herself. All she can do is shout. Now normally, when somebody finds out that they are pregnant, 
They do not immediately make the announcement. But here the Spirit has caused both Mary and Elizabeth to throw caution to the wind, and they cry out in their joy. After Elizabeth pronounces a blessing upon Mary, the Holy Spirit-charged drama is interrupted as Mary breaks out into a song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary's song is full of kingdom expectations. Mary, who is a disciple par excellence, believed that what God said to her is true. God is not only turning Mary's life upside down. Through her, God is overturning Israel and all of human history. In her song, Mary testifies that God's reversals have occurred in Israel's past, that they continue in her own present, and that they will continue in the future. The choosing of this lowly handmaiden becomes the sign of God's eschatological act for the world. God in Christ is making all things new. And when all has been said and done by God, God will reign. Contained within Mary's song is some serious eschatological smackdown that flies in the face of our self, world, social, political improvement projects. It is God who is on the move. It is God who is doing great things for Mary, for Israel, and for the entire world. He is creating a new heaven and a new earth. This is complete transformation of our humanity by God's divinity. This isn't just a little renovation. God in Christ has come to do what we ourselves cannot, save us from our sins and bring about his reign on earth as it is in heaven. And we learn through Mary that the only real way to proclaim this is through song. So how appropriate that we have been singing all morning long. If you have ever been to a musical yourself, you will probably have noticed that singing interrupts the dialogue and often slows the drama down. Even in our liturgy, you probably notice that if something is, in, is sung, it takes longer than if you say it. Take, for example, the Lord's Prayer. Here in Luke's Gospel, Mary's song interrupts the flurry of events that have taken place, as if to say, pay attention, and brings us into a deeper awareness of the storyline through poetry and musical development. When Mary opens her mouth to sing, time slows down, prompting us to reflect more deeply on God's actions. 
Mary's song invites us to step into this text with our whole selves. Just as the rhythm of music invites us to join the dance, or more in keeping with being Anglican, at least tap a toe. And here now is where our friend, Buddy the Elf, can help us. The setting of the movie serves as a kind of advent setting. People are sitting in the darkness of their unbelief, poor life choices, cynicism, and despair. One of the main characters, Walter, embodies the principalities and powers of corporate America and its subsequent consequences, where we witness a wife who never sees her husband and a son who never sees his father. In the midst of all this darkness comes Buddy the Elf, who is, well, odd. He doesn't dress like a New Yorker, and he certainly does not eat like one either. Immersed in the values and practices of the North Pole, he cannot understand why it is these Americans are so unhappy. However, he will not be discouraged and he sets about spreading Christmas cheer for whoever will hear him. Elf is an evangelist like no other, and it wins him friends, and it also creates enemies. Throughout the movie, Elf is a beacon of joy and hope. And eventually, some people convert to Christmas spirit, and Christmas is saved. The analogy between Elf and the Christian life is not perfect, of course. For one thing, people's unhappiness had nothing to do with the need for divine intervention, but for lack of belief in Santa. However, I think the movie highlights some things for us that we find in Mary's own witness that are to be a part of our own life as Christian people. Buddy the Elf, like Mary, embodies the already-not-yet tension of the kingdom of God. Yes, the world is full of sin and darkness, and all is not as it should be. But that does not prevent Buddy or Mary from proclaiming their good news. Their lives are a song of joy and hope amidst a world of sadness and despair. One of Buddy's core doctrines is this, and you may know it. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And we see this in Mary this morning, for whom the best way to proclaim the good news of Emmanuel God with us is by singing loud for all to hear. We too are called to bring our sacrifice of praise, proclaiming what God has done, is doing, and will do. And when we do this, and as we do this, God's Spirit will transform us, and our belief will be strengthened, and our witness to the world will be heightened. The question for you and me 
is whether or not we believe that God is still on the move. And then, whether or not we will allow the Holy Spirit to sing a song of joy and hope through each of us. Like Santa, Jesus is coming soon. But he is not coming in a sleigh pulled by nine tiny reindeer. No, Jesus will be coming on the clouds with power and great glory. And when he comes, the world will finally be put to rights. That's good news, people. That's worth singing and shouting about. And so in this meantime, may our lives, like Mary's, be a song of joy and hope to each other and to the world, following the advice of one cheery elf that the best way to spread the good news of the kingdom of God, which is true Christmas cheer, is by singing loud for all to hear. Amen.